Good people of Los Angeles, welcome back to another episode of the FCFC Pod. Tonight, we welcome to the backyard two very important people to the LAFC story in the present, two important people in the LAFC story in the past, and of course, into the future. We have Zach Berg and his father. You might know him as the co-managing owner of LAFC, the lead managing owner of LAFC, Mr. Larry Berg, stops by the backyard. And we get into it all, the origin story, the oldest football memories, what it's like to have your dad own a professional sports team, what you would do differently if you own that sports team. Uh, Larry throws some of those questions back at us. We all discuss things in a safe, socially distanced manner and really enjoy hearing from one of the, again, most influential people for this club we all love. And it was a real pleasure talking to these guys. Slim, want to hit him with the warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the backyard of Dweezus Place in Expo Park, and there are cars driving by, planes flying by, dogs barking. No Pendle, same man. It's been a while since we heard him. But we do have the same profanity that you come to love and expect when you listen to FCFC. So if you're around children or at work somewhere, you shouldn't be listening to profanity. This is a good time to stop listening. You lonely motherfuckers. And leave a review, please. We've been stuck on 76 for a long, long time. Yeah, why don't you love us anymore, motherfuckers? Yeah, that's... All title this episode, love us. Please? Merci. Bye. FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC pod where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. I'm your favorite fat Korean, it's your boy Slim. To my left is Josh Sexy Spice. One time. One time. And to his left is the man with the beard and the bucket hat, Mr. Big Dweez. How you doing, sir? That sounded really natural, Slim. You know, I'm just trying to do what I do. It's it's been a while. It's been a while. We took a little vacation. Um, And we have some very special guests tonight, guys. Um, They are... It's, we at LAFC love the, the family dynamic of, of our community, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and this is an actual family that brings that dynamic wherever they go to all the 3252 events in the North End, wherever, everywhere, and you see their passion. And today we bring them into the backyard to ask them, why LAFC? We have Mr. Larry Berg Hi. and Zach Berg in the backyard this evening. Let's go. Thanks, Welcome, guys. guys. Cheers. 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 Good to be here. All the way on the other side of the table. All right. We've got ourselves a long table now. Oh, yeah. It's a little weird. That's why my intro was a little off. For, <laughs> for every podcast we've ever recorded in the backyard, we recorded exactly nine feet from where we're recording now. Mm-hmm. We're officially recording on grass. I wonder if that's going to change, you know, the way that the podcast turns out. It's a little more natural, a little ebb and flow, you know, nature going going through and doing yeah. its part. <laughs> Directly under the sky, instead uh, of just under sort of like the roof of the back house over here. Oh yeah. Beautiful so, evening in Expo Park. Without further ado, I'm gonna start with Zach. Okay. Ooh. Zach, what is your oldest football memory? 
So my oldest football memory, oh, I was probably three or four, joined AYSO um, under esteemed coach Larry Berg for the yeah. <laughs> for the Jeez. for the red team. The red, the red team. team. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was like well lauded around the league because I had this strategy where they would blow the whistle and then I would sit on the ground and just play with the grass the whole game. <laughs> so after moving on from that, I p- actually put uh, football on the on the back burner for a while, and then <laughs> a few years. A few years later, around 11, 12, once LAFC came around, I started watching more and more football before we even played and just fell in love with it, and now it's my favorite sport. Yeah. Nice. So you, you hung up the cleats at age four, and then you just pick them right back up again for LAFC. Oh, yeah. Is that around, yeah. right? I put down the cleats, and then picked up the TV remote and started watching. <laughs> Wait, he's, a, you... he's a born supporter, y'all. That yeah. sounds like me yeah. a little later. <laughs> These are two men you're, you're talking to that they've never even played before, so at least you've got it on them. That whoa, you whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I did a year or two of AYSO, and I realized that, like, running wasn't my thing. Yeah. <laughs> you hear the venom in his voice. I like know, man. Right? Right? Sorry, Mr. I run a marathon just for fun outside of the park. Like, you can't be like you. I'm sorry. Dude. Have you played again since you, since LAFC came to be? Have you have you gone up back out on the field and kicked the ball around? Not with like a team. Like you, but you wouldn't find me anywhere near a ball. Like from yeah. the ages like four through twelve. Now, like every now and then, I'll go into our backyard and we'll like juggle a little bit, but yeah. nothing really team based. Nice, love it, Larry. You're next up. Oldest football memory. I can't wait. Yeah, so I started in 1974 when I was eight years old, and my father brought me to a, uh, a new league in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And, um, you know, back then it wasn't quite as big of a sport, mm-hmm. and we played the same team every week, <laughs> and uh, I fell in love with it immediately. It was the only sport I was ever any good at, but at the time, I was, uh, I was really little. And... Um, what was amazing about it was uh, well before Messi was even born, I had the nickname The Flea. And when you're <laughs> 8, 9, 10 years old, having a nickname is everything. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Philadelphia Adams from the NASL days, but they had a, a player from Scotland named Andy Provan who was five foot five, mm. and he was really little. Uh-huh. And so my aunt got me a, uh, a soccer jersey with Flea on the back. And for the next, I don't know how many years, a lot of the coaches didn't even know my name. They just <laughs> called me Flea. Wow, that's and, awesome. Uh, which is just an incredible memory and it kind of makes you feel really special as a young as a young person. And then ultimately I played in high school and that kind of my career peaked in ninth grade. But yeah, um, yeah it was always part of my life and uh, it was incredible. Larry just dropped crazy knowledge on me. I yeah. I, first of all, I, I don't even know about the East Coast teams for the, for the end of NASL or most previous previous ones besides the Charleston Battery, I think, were one, mm. even back in the day. But um, the Flea, man. The Flea. The I, flea. I always want, like, my nicknames were not very friendly. They were just yeah. like, hey, fat ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, my coaches or teachers couldn't, I, like, call me. So it's like, Flea, that's pretty awesome. People I called did, me Little Al. I was small, too. I mm. did eventually grow out of it because I'm now all of 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, and <laughs> Let's go. so at some point, you know, I really shot up. Um, so I dropped it, but for a while it was uh, it was pretty cool. There we have this in common that we're um, we're both from Bob Bradley country. And, okay, uh, yeah. We are from the great, beautiful tropical state of New Jersey, <laughs> which, which uh, I, I call I call my birthplace and a home in a lot of ways. But um, where are you from in New Jersey? Um, Bergen County up north, so it's okay. uh, we're uh, Glen Rock. Okay. Sure. We're we're defined often by our mall rivalries and our yeah. proximity to Philadelphia. Well, I'll tell you the. Jersey was a pretty big hotbed of 
high school and ultimately college soccer. I mean, yeah, a number yeah. of the U.S. national team players mm. came from, you know, Jersey, Tab right. Ramos and John Hargs and Tony Miola and Pete Vermes. And um, it was a pretty good state for it. Um, so it was pretty good. And that, that ended up being the highlight of my career. I got to play against Pete Vermes once. Heck yeah. And he scored in... Uh, 35 seconds <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty quick and uh and his father actually had an indoor soccer facility uh nearby in winslow township so oh, is that right i spent and the, and it was so popular like our games at that point i was a junior or senior in high school our game started at midnight so um you know you wouldn't get home and then you couldn't fall asleep till like whatever three o'clock in the morning or something so um it was always a a big part of it and it was a big participation sport and you know that was back when the new york cosmos brought in pele and yeah, yeah. um it was it was a great time and the nasl folded and uh you know of course at the time we had no idea the mls would pick it back up mm. so I, I don't know about you guys i was watching soccer made in germany which was the one you know pbs show at the time mm. and uh, it was sort of all soccer all the time and um as i like to say sometime after high school everyone else seemed to get over it and i never did yeah, and yeah, i just yeah. kept getting more and more into it so um, but I didn't play I didn't play after that just club teams and and that sort of thing what so, made you so attuned yeah. to, to to soccer in particular was it the kind of the Pele aura around Cosmos at the time that made you like want to sign up for soccer over like basketball baseball and football which is kind of been the big dominance well let's when I was growing up. let's go back to my size at the time let's go um, yeah, yeah, yeah. soccer was a good sport for someone who was you know pretty little and scrawny mm-hmm. and I fell in love with it immediately um, I liked the other sports but I wasn't very good at them and, um, and frankly, um, you know, there's such a great European tradition of soccer and, of course, the World Cups every four years and, you know, the whole pageantry of the World Cup and the, you know, it's like better Olympics for me. Yeah, um, and so it wasn't very hard to get, you know, pretty addicted to it. The hard part was finding a community, right? Because mm-hmm. for a long time, that was a pretty lonely experience being a big soccer fan, yeah. um, which is why eventually when LAFC came around, I mean, that was the best part of it for me, that passion and that sense of community mm. uh, was terrific. And it's not so unusual now, but for a long time there, it's pretty unusual. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I think I, when I was growing up, even I used I used to call it a commie sport. <laughs> <laughs> it was just meant to be like... Yeah. <clears throat> but it I was, was so international at that. Yeah, it was so international that I was just like, oh, only communists like that sport. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I don't know. Commies was a, like a hot word back then. Um, but I was wondering, what were some of the club uh, teams that you found? After high school? Yeah. Well, I started off my freshman year. I went to University of North Carolina on Chapel Hill. So there was zero chance I was playing for that school. The athletes are pretty incredible. And frankly, the club teams are pretty good, mm-hmm. or, or even the intramural teams. So just at that point, it was just, you know, local college. I ended up transferring to University of Pennsylvania, did the same. And then I was in an adult league out here, and, you know, my firm would play once in a while. But it was, you know, I, I always found myself playing but not in anything too organized. In business school I played, we had a team and we'd play the other the other schools there. Um, so there always seemed to be an opportunity to lace them up, but um, you know, your, your stamina gets shot pretty quickly, and so your competitive days are over and you have to try to be competitive in other areas, which now we can do here. Wait, so what was your experience of Zach's first playing days? Like, you, lo- you love this sport, you know, yeah. I'm not a parent, not, us three are not parents, I already know that if I did reproduce, I would be trying to make an engineered soccer superstar just yeah. because I love the game so much. What was it like to like watch him and yeah. sort of encourage him? And was he receptive of it to it in the first place? Like, hey, you know this game? <laughs> like, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I when I grew up, my father and I 
uh, did it together. You know, he introduced me to the sport, and we would do all the travel games and everything together. So it was a big part of my life growing up with my dad. And both uh, Zachary's brother Matthew uh, played AYSO, and then Zachary played AYSO. They both lasted one season. They were both weed pickers. Um, it wasn't really their thing. <laughs> two seasons. Two seasons. <laughs> two seasons. Short change. Sorry. And so, you know, you, you figured out pretty quickly uh, as a father that as much as it happens to be my passion, it's not their passion. And that's, you know, unfortunate. And so for me, the fact that years later, LAFC comes along, and Matthew enjoys it, but Zachary immediately became completely addicted to it. Yeah. And just has this incredible memory for, like, the first season he could tell me on every game like who scored the goals and what minute and he's constantly online and figuring it out and I, I we know he's the trivia king he's the yeah. trivia yeah. he's the, the trivia king which we'll get into which we'll get into and i and i didn't expect that um so as he said it was like when you were 12 13 years old and so for it to kind of come back in our lives um for me was pretty incredible it's probably one of the best things about being involved with the club and it's more than just the LAFC games and the away games. It's also we're watching it on TV together all the time. We're talking about it all the time. We're, you know, when an Alfonso Davies leaves the MLS and goes plays for Bayern Munich, we're both interested in that. And so it's just created this this terrific bond. And um, and I, you know, smart enough to know this is not going to last forever. He's going to uh, go off to college at some point. So we're just, you know, I'm taking advantage yeah. of every every day for now. Yeah, and. Your dad, what, where did the love of the game come for him, do you think? He told me he saw a flyer on, like, a telephone pole. He had no knowledge whatsoever of soccer, uh-huh. but he had an 8-year-old boy who was interested in sports, and he saw this, literally a new league being developed, and he thought it would be a great time to bring me by. But yeah. he, didn't, he didn't know anything about soccer, and, um, you know, it was just one of those lucky things. Uh-huh. And, you know, when you have kids... You try to give them exposure to as many things as you can because you don't really know what's going to click. Mm. And this one clicked. And your your parents were also from New Jersey. Yes. So what was it like, you know, you go to school, you got these kind of loves in, love for an international sport, an international interest, and now, you know, you're looking at the world as a bigger place and you start leaving um, school in these places. Like, how do you orient yourself in the world? Was it mostly dictated by work? Or were you kind of following other interests at the time? In terms of where, where I went to live and yeah. that sort of thing? Yeah, so I went I went to, uh, I graduated from the University of Pennsylvania, so I was still a Philadelphia kid. And at that point, I came out to L.A. Um, a bit of a fluke, took a job out here. And um, frankly, at that time, I was really a um, European soccer fan. Mm. Um, you know, I really learned to appreciate uh, some of the great great players in the world, like I said, the World Cups, etc. Um, you know, the MLS uh, at that point hadn't really started yet because um, I got to LA in 1988. Um, and so, you know, the big change obviously was cable. You know, now you had the ability to see games from all over the world. And of course, I, I, I was a very passionate U.S. men's national team fan. So I was one of those guys at the time we didn't have DVRs, so you would, you know, set the alarm for some weird time in the middle of the night because that's where they were playing abroad and like I said it was a very lonely existence but it was fun you know you kind of felt part of this little niche sport um it's very different today you know there's a lot of people who are into it um it's much bigger the MLS is now uh you know 25 years in um and and growing like a weed so um now it just comes totally naturally but when I sit uh in the stadium or I'm watching LAFC or I'm doing it with Zachary you know I don't take any of this for granted I kind of look around and I'm still Amazed, yeah, you, you know. You experienced '88 in your house, yeah. trying to record games from Europe. Yeah. And now, you, and wanting to have that in-person experience so badly, 
So that's crazy. So did you, what was your team? Like, did you have a team in Europe? Did you have a German team or another team that so you followed I, really closely that you kind of attached yourself to? So I don't remember what I did in the 80s, but eventually what I did uh, in the 90s going forward uh, is I was really a U.S. men's national team fan, and as our players were playing abroad, mm. I would follow them. Mm. Um, so, you know, obviously... Like uh, Clint Dempsey or Benny or Landon Donovan when he got loaned to Everton or Brian McBride at Fulham or whoever it might be. Uh, and the goalies, of course, uh, our goalies were always very talented, uh, certainly eventually Tim Howard, etc. And so my teams were the European teams they played at. And even prior to LAFC, I ended up investing in, um, in AS Roma in the Italian league. This is more recent with Bennett Rosenthal, who's now with me at LAFC. And Michael Bradley played for them. Now, he ended yeah. up getting sold to Toronto shortly after that, which I didn't know. Right. But, you know, I was buying into the Italian team with the American. Uh, um, uh. And so that's really what it was. I was just kind of like following them around. Mm. And just, you know, it, we're a country that, you know, we like the underdog in sports, right? And the U.S. was nothing but an underdog. And those players were underdogs. And so to watch them try to break out, like when Landon Donovan played at Everton, um, people loved him. Mm. I mean, he was great. And uh, it makes you, you know, really proud when your American players sort of do well. Clint Dempsey, obviously the same thing. You know, we can go on and on. And so back then, that's how I chose my teams. So that's, I mean, I think Sam and I talk about it a lot when we see we're both Man United fans because of um, Chisung Park when he was there. And there's there's a weird kinship blood thing that happens when you see some uh, countrymen, your countrymen on a field, like somewhere just bossing it, right? So, I mean, you touched on a little bit with Land and stuff, but what was it? Can you go into a little more detail on, like, what did it feel like, you know, that passion to see, like, your homegrown guys, like, in a foreign country, like, really excelling in that way? I mean, I always felt like, um, as an American, they were at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I thought it was a bit of an uphill battle, and it really depended on the year. Um, You know, I remember I got... um, engaged in Paris for the 1998 World Cup. So nice. I was, I was oh, yeah. planning, I was in Lyon, and I was planning on traveling and going to every World Cup, and that ended up not happening. But, um, you know, if you sort of fast forward to today, and once again, I know Alfonso Davies is Canadian, but, you know, he is from the MLS, mm. or you look at a Weston McKinney or a Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna, et cetera. Mm. Um, it's totally different today. It's not that crazy to see an American, and it's only the last few years, in my opinion. Yeah. But for a while there... Um, it was an uphill battle, and then the hard part for me was when they did succeed, no one else really was paying attention, <laughs> uh, unless it was a, an official U.S. men's national team game. Then you actually had people who started to care a lot, and, and, it, and it grew pretty quickly, but, um, but it was hard, and, and I, I did enjoy the, the great foreign players, but I, I wouldn't say I had a team. I mean, I, I like watching Man U, and I've been to a Man U game, and yeah. I like watching Liverpool, and I've been to a Liverpool game, and Liverpool oh, has no. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely amazing games. Um, but I can't say they were, you know, they were my team. Gotcha, gotcha. So, gotcha. Zach, you're, okay, so your dad just brought up, like, Alfonso Davies, the man yeah. who neutralized the flea, of all people, during the Champions League final. Like, I remember watching him at Bank mm-hmm. California Stadium for the Whitecaps, like, slashing through our defense like he was a terrifying mm-hmm. player to play against even even now what he was 17 at the time now he's 19 or whatever it is or yeah. maybe yeah, sounds maybe right. even less so you grew up in a world where this sport already matters in the u.s or at least it matters in los angeles like mm-hmm. is it how strange is it to hear because i'm you know i'm sort of between your two ages right but how strange is it to hear your dad talk about an era where you had to like hunt for games on TV and stuff is it like a fantasy land for you like are you and your friends already all like everyone gets it like soccer is a thing it mm. matters or is it already is it not already at that level yet 
and there's still a lot of way. For it to I go. mean, I'm not learning about it through flyers on the wall, or I'm not. I don't have to like go like crank the TV to find the channel, or or, or buy all. Or, I also don't have to like buy all these packages. So if I want to find it, we can find it now. I don't know if it was the same. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> Give him his lemonade back. Oh, yeah. Whether the water's there or not, I'll, I'll still make fun I of love it. it. Uh, no, but my point is, it's more accessible than it was to him, but I wouldn't say that. I have friends calling me up like, yo, come over watch the soccer game this weekend. Mm, right. Still, mm. where are you watching the NBA playoff game or the, yeah. or the football game? Mm-hmm. But even like five years ago, you're hearing about this, there's this kid, Christian Pulisic. Plays for the U.S. national team. We think he's going to be good. Plays at Dortmund. We don't know. And now he's playing at Chelsea. Very good. So I do think it's growing among people my age, but I wouldn't say it's still, like... There's a ways to go. Yeah, well, you're not going to find I 10 people days. I has the opportunity to make it cool. Because even though, uh, you know, other U.S. players were out in Europe, like, they weren't, like, the star. No one, the had a, no one had the number 10. Yeah, no one had the number 10. So, yeah, this should be interesting. Look, he may be the best American ever. His issue, I think, is going to be how injury-prone he is. Yeah. Uh, if he can stay healthy, uh, I think he probably has more talent than anybody else we've ever seen in our, in our program. But I was listening to Zach, and what's fascinating to me, as I think about accessibility and how popular it is, is how many people his age, the younger folks, who got into it through the video game FIFA, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Remember, when I was growing up, nobody, other than Pele... Nobody knew any of the other. I mean, I had Gerd Mueller cleats, right? And no one knew who Gerd Mueller was. I mean, it just wasn't even a possibility. And now because of the FIFA game, a lot of kids, they may or may not be MLS fans or soccer fans, but they actually know these players. And these players are now doing ads that are over here. And a a ton of them, Neymar, et cetera, they have have brand names. So it's, it's changed tremendously. And if you look at the social media rankings, Ronaldo and Messi are, you know, right up there and ahead of... You know, all the celebrities we're more familiar with. Yeah. So the the entire ecosystem has changed pretty dramatically. Do you and ever have some of Zach's friends send you uh, scouting reports from FIFA and just be like, hey, Blair, I think we, this guy's a real star. This guy's a star. <laughs> no, no joke, I get them all the time. Hell yeah, let's go! <laughs> yeah. I don't oh, know if they're serious about all the time, but like, like, no, look at this you. FIFA guy. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, they they don't usually get to me, <laughs> thank God. But I have a number of friends whose kids are big soccer fans. Yeah. So think about that generational difference. My right. friend, who's my age, right, right, right. doesn't really know much about it, mm-hmm. right? And I'm unusual. Yeah. But their kids, it's very natural for them to know a lot, and they'll often tell me, and, and that makes a lot of sense. So there's a, there's definitely a generational gap. Okay. But it's funny that even though time has passed, it's still, like Slim just said with Christian Pulisic, it's like, it is the same effect. Like, if an American player does excel at the highest level, whether at the World Cup or in the Champions League or whatever, yes, there's more interest already in the sport, but that's the only, that's the only thing that's going to take it to, like, a map. I mean, I watched the Weston McKinney, uh, the friendly he played for Juventus yeah, yeah, already, yeah. and just, like, watching him pass the ball around, I was also kind of, like, had to pinch myself. Like, wait, what? Like, everyone else, I mean, you had Juan Cuadrado on one side, you had Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, and he's just, like, sitting there, like, linking play yeah, up, and I'm right, just like, right. this guy... The kid from the States right in the middle. Yeah, right? and it was... It I was, think it's actually the great uh, crown jewel of the MLS and the one that's most underappreciated are the academies. Mm-hmm. The academies are so young, and they just haven't been around that long, and yet they're already starting to kick out players like that. Mm-hmm. But I think the number of Weston McKennies that I got kicked out in the future will just go up exponentially. Yeah. Um, and some of them will go straight to Europe, some of them will go to MLS... 
Many of them will end up to the U.S. men's national team and help us compete. And I think that's going to change the game. It's going to take a lot of years, um, but I don't. I don't. I think that I think we're at the beginning of that conveyor belt. Not. I don't think people realize how what a nascent stage it's still in and how big it can get. Yeah. And look, Alfonso Davis is a good example too. But he came a little older. You know, our academy kids, our youngest that we bring in are like 10, yeah. 10, 11 years old. And we just signed our first three, mm. which is incredibly exciting. So, so you're exciting. That was, kind that of creating that was the thing I was most excited for this year. Yeah. I asked Bob Bradley the first day of training, I was like, Bob, what are the chances we're going to see players this year? And he was like super against it. He was like, no, we're not going to see any academy. Oh, slow down. Slow down with the expectation. <laughs> and then not even halfway through the year, we've got three academy players. All I'm saying is when we get the first kid from L.A. who goes to LAFC Academy goes plays for Arsenal and wins the Champions Jeez. League. You're talking to a guy who's going to be a happy camper. Yeah. And I know Rich is going to appreciate it too. Shout out to Rich, who's not in the backyard right now. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our first break. Let's go. Back here with FCFC Pod, here with the living New Jersey legend, Larry Berg himself and his son Zach. It's been a pleasure so far. Man, we have every guest we've had on this podcast who, with our distinguished wisdom we've decided to bring on this podcast, has built up football culture in, in some way or the other, right? I think that's the really important thing to us. Like, they're, we're all builders, and everyone we talk to has been obsessed with this game in some way. You two are no different, you know? And I think... Um, that we kind of want to hear about, you know, this first five-year trajectory of LAFC, and also you just dropped the dominoes that you have, you have, you had part ownership, half part ownership stake of Roma is around one of the most historically legendary, important clubs in the world. And I think, um, man, you're you're a guy who's seen all the U.S. national teams play, but like, what was it like for you to try to grow the U.S. game here, and then finally come to owning this club? Well, first the opportunity to do it where I live in a place like Los Angeles with the soccer traditions here I mean that doesn't come along all the time and it kind of fell in my lap it wasn't like I went out and said um, I want to go do this and we can, we can talk about that but yeah yeah what was that process like falling on your lap this club what's this yeah, yeah so first moment give us the very first moment you ever heard about the concept the idea so uh, I was um, a patron of U.S. soccer you know I contributed money here and there got to know him a little bit mm. and through that um, this is pre-LAFC by only a year or two, um, I got to know Don Garber a little bit. I mean, a very little bit. And then um, they needed to do something with Shivas. So they were deciding to, they bought back the club and they hired somebody to basically get a second club, you know, basically either shut Shivas and get a second club in, in Los Angeles or sell them Shivas. And he also hired somebody who I was friends with, who was an investment banker. And so Ben and I, who at this point had invested in AS Roma, so if you think about it, there aren't a lot of people in Los Angeles who've actually invested in soccer, mm -hmm. which isn't the smartest thing in the world, sure. and were you know passionate, and uh, and they ended up selling it to folks that lived outside the country, and, and we did look at it. We weren't really that um, serious about it, Ben and I, um, and so they bought the club, but they needed local ownership. They needed some local guys, and so Don told them that they should meet us. Uh, and, I, and then Peter Gruber got involved, so he was the first local guy. Um, although Peter didn't have a long tradition in, in soccer, he had a long tradition in Los Angeles, certainly, and a long tradition in sports. Sure. Um, and so that's how it started. And we became minority owners of LAFC. Uh, the league kind of 
you know, put the shotgun marriage together. And our view of the world was we were going to be on the board and we were going to be investors and we were going to be fans and we weren't going to be required to do very much. And it was local and we had full-time jobs and this was great. Um, And then, you know, and so you basically adopt a a new family, like LAFC is the new family, Mm -hmm. but we're, we're minority owners in it, which is what I, what we were at AS Roma as well. Um, We weren't pulling making decisions or pulling the strings on anything. And then a few years in, the scope of the project got bi- got bigger. Henry Wynn, who was lead managing owner at the time, was spending less time in LA than he expected. The cost and scope of the stadium got bigger and they needed to find uh, local folks who could put more money in and do the bigger stadium. And, um, and so Don actually was the first one to ask me to do it, and I said no. And Bennett said, <laughs> and I was like, hey, let's go, Larry, let's go. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Bennett said no because you know, it just felt um, indulgent, you know, for lack of a, you know, we, we, were, we were working full time. We were already minority owners. And um, and so then we were thinking about, OK, who else can we call uh, that can get involved? And uh, I give my wife full credit, Allison, who, you know, she knew what a soccer fan I was and sure. she knew what a great opportunity it was. Mm-hmm. And um, and she uh, she told me I'm crazy not to do it. It's kind of your dream. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and eventually Ben and I came around and we partnered up with Brandon Beck as well, which made it easier. Brandon's been an unbelievable third third partner, and um, and we decided to step up and, and and take control at that point. Which of course, every once in a while, Ben and I look back and we're like, man, we almost blew that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we really almost blew that. Shout out to women's intuition, huh? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, you only live once, and yeah. she. Uh, Sometimes she understands that better than me. So, and that was before I really thought, you know, at the time we, we were enjoying the club with our families. You know, we were local. The owners, yeah. the true control owners lived abroad. Right, right, So right. it wasn't a bad place to be. Is um, this kind of season one-ish or is like, what, what time is this? This beforehand. This, gotcha. uh, we got involved as minority owners in 2014 when it all started. Yeah. Literally right after they bought the club. Mm. And then we took control uh, two years later, something like that. Cool. Um, as the state, before the stadium started getting built. Mm. Etc. And you know, it's been a labor of love. We, um, you know, we're in it for you know, the family aspects. You, you talk about culture. Yeah. You know, I'll always remember the um, the safe standing discussion because as big of a soccer fan as I am, and yeah. I was familiar with Dortmund and the yellow wall, but I hadn't really thought much about it. And it was really the supporters that that came to us, probably through Rich first. And we were at a supporter event, and I was pouring beers and. You know, yeah. doing my part to keep everybody psyched for the team we're going to have on the field in another year or two. And um, and I've said this before, but it felt a little bit like the Godfather, right? Like the five families, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of one one from each supporter group, five or seven, I forget how many. And and, uh, and they wanted safe standing. And once again, I look back and say we almost blew that too because it ended up being a brilliant suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's completely changed the vibe of what we have at the stadium. And, you know, our job was to be authentic and reactive and try to give people what they wanted and the 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 management team uh certainly tom penn who did an incredible job building it and rich john thornton etc they just did a fantastic job of including the supporters in almost every decision we made gotcha um and that was one of them and i think that was an important one yeah i mean talking about that safe standing like you're being a good sport about this you're pouring beers you're making sure everyone's happy sam and i were at that meeting when they brought out that uh, the safe standing bars for the first time. What what was your reaction when you saw a thousand pound steel artifice come out and saying like, this is what they want? Like, this is what the best of football culture is? Like, were you just like, yeah, I had a bit I, of a, I'm, I'm here for this? Or what, what, was, what was your reaction? I had a bit of a different reaction, which is, I don't know if you've ever 
built anything with change orders, but the change order was really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and I said, you know, safe standing sure sounds like a good idea, and they really want it. What's that going to cost? Yeah, man. And it uh, it was a lot of money. So um, <laughs> let's go. But it was uh, it was well worth it. It was by far the best investment we made. Mm. And yeah, we were talking about, you know, what happens with the seats for concerts versus a FIFA match versus an LAFC sure, match. Sure, and, sure. and people smarter than me kind of went through and figured it all out. But, um, you know, it's really added tremendously to the culture of the club. And uh, it's one of the, one of my favorite parts of it. So so Larry's like in this position where yeah. he's, he's part of the mass of Americans who will want to see the game grow in the country, right? sitting on like the side we all those of us who fell in love with the game through the different ways we've all like watched it abroad and have these dreams about what it could be in america but then like i put myself in his position like and actually having to do it and how risky it sounds like everything and just like how like it all just like well but i'm in america and like it you know i don't know if it ever will it always will it always before. be yeah, the yeah. forever forever will it forever be the support of the future sort of thing um, what was that like like you were now in the, the the place where you had to make these decisions to help it grow and knowing that like you know whether it's a change order for the safe standing sector or these things like what yeah. was it was it hard to put aside your 30 year love for the sport and then you know have to like square that with like this ownership group and getting everybody on the same page about there's no question that it's hard to put that aside right your passion kind of takes over yeah. um and sometimes you make decisions with your heart not your head and that's just part of the part of the game but this is why I think my wife was so smart about it, which is she realized that by the time I had the opportunity to do this, we already had, unlike 2014 when they bought the, bought the expansion team, mm -hmm. you know, we already had a management team that was doing great things. We already had a great location in Los Angeles, and we all know what, how much that's done for us, that location. Mm -hmm. You know, we already had, at least at the time, a lot of the money raised, mm -hmm. right? We, are, we, had, we had John mm -hmm. Thorne already. Rich was there. I mean... It wasn't that difficult for me to step into that spot. I mean, I wasn't by myself. Mm. I was one cog in the machine. And so while obviously I took a, you know, I took lead managing owner and I took a prominent role, mm. at the end of the day, I didn't f ever feel any pressure that I was, you know, standing alone. Yeah. And that made all the difference. You know, we had a great ownership group, a broad ownership group. You know, Peter Gruber not only has tremendous experience he brings to the table, but he seems to know everybody. So if you need to, to get to somebody, you can. So. I felt, um, you know, excited once I got involved. That wow, this is like this would be this is like an easy way to do it. Mm. That being said, you are trying to build something from scratch, and you know things come along, and not everything works perfectly, yeah. and you know everything's cost more than you thought it would, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard, yeah. but you know when you're in when you're with great partners and you're doing it together, it's it's not as difficult. And once again, it's it's a labor of love, right? And so, you know, every day I'm involved with it, whether it's a good day or a bad day for the club, mm. you know, I still pinch myself and say, wow, this is yeah. this is incredible. I still pinch myself about it because yeah. of just what it's become. I think I speak for both of us and a lot of the people that listen to our podcast because we do share more than anything that love for the culture and building things like Safe Standing. It's like those sort of decisions might like, you know, back then seemed like it would have never had the repercussions that right. could foster culture and to help community grow and all these things now. But like, I am curious to know from all of this, from Zach's perspective, who's now, you know, you have your whole teenage years, basically as this club comes into being from when your dad gets involved until now. Mm -hmm. So like, what has it been like? I mean, I'll just ask for all the, all the kids, the hearts of all of us. What's it been like to have your dad own a sports team? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how has that been? And what has that felt like? 
day to day? It's been cool. Well, one, it made me fall in love with soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When, when I didn't really get it when I was younger, mm-hmm. and then more and more just gotten more into it. But you really get to see the, how it works behind the scenes and not just on field on game day, but really day to day you're seeing everything goes on behind the scenes. And when they say this, it really means this and this and that. Mm. And stuff that you wouldn't really get to see if you were just an everyday fan. So it's definitely been cool. But even just having him as being one of the owners, it really connected me to 3252 and you guys. Mm. And I see stuff through them, which I could have found anyway if he wasn't, but it led me to finding that. Mm. And I get to see stuff through them too. Yeah, so you get kind of a... You get probably one of the most fly-on-the-wall views of anyone because you don't actually have to like you don't have to make the decisions that your dad has to make you don't have to like work in the way that maybe like a rich or someone else has to or the players have to go out and perform but yeah, I see you slink, slink into the locker room after the game oh, is yeah. over so you get to hear those discussions you just get, <laughs> I'm sure you just got a million secrets in there Zach is but, everywhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like the media pass and the backstage pass. Yeah, like, heck yeah. And the supporter pass. Yeah, yeah he's Zach all knows the supporters. He knows the employees of the stadium. He yeah. knows everybody. This it's is Coachella great. Prime right here. For Zach. <laughs> this is incredible. So, so, Zach, what have been your. I'll, I'll ask actually two because there's going to be too many, but what was your sort of best memory or funniest memory or choose, choose your own adventure memory from before the club came into being? And then after it came into being. And Zach, no, will be offended if you don't choose hanging out with the supporters. We'll put honorary mention. We know it's at the top, so we're not going to You're right, you're right. Everything else after that. Yeah. And when you say before the clubs being me, before we were playing or before LAFC existed? Yeah, before they were, you guys were playing. Okay. Like, once your dad gets involved, but, like, you know, no, no one's set onto the field. I got no a funny squad, one yeah. from before we were playing. Yeah. So this was, I'd say, about a few days into me even knowing how, how long a soccer game was. I had just... <laughs> Like the team had just been formed, they had just started their preseason at UCLA year one. Yeah. My dad took me to see the whole thing. I was like, "Wow!" Started to fall in love with it. So, a few days in, we go to this national team game they were playing at Dignity Health Sports Park, or mm-hmm. yeah, down there. Yeah. And yes. Uh, <laughs> and this was my first time going to a soccer game where I actually enjoyed soccer. And I'd say it was a week or two before we were set to play our first real real game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Hmm, I wonder if we'll see any." LAFC merch or anything, see any fans. So we're sitting, we're watching, and I swear, like, 20 sections over, I'm like, yo, those two guys have LAFC hats on. <laughs> it's real. Like, it hadn't felt real. Like, you didn't see anything anywhere. I'm like, wow, this is real. So we're walking. So the game ends. I don't even remember the score, who won, anything like that. Yeah. We're walking out. We're walking down. I'm like, I see these two guys again. And I'm like, it's real. Those are, they're wearing LAFC yeah, hats. We get closer. It's Benny Filehopper and Teeth Blessing. <laughs> <laughs> We may or may not have supporters, but we definitely have a team. (laughs) That would happen to me on the 405. I'd see an LAFC bumper sticker, and I was all excited. And then I'd drive a little faster and realize one of our employees. It just kept happening that first year. I actually saw – hold on. I actually took a picture of it. I saw an LAFC license plate, and and it's a white Tesla that says LAFC PG. Peter. Peter Goober. Peter oh, that was... <laughs> okay, I was tailgating him and taking pictures and being really creepy. So, <laughs> shout out Peter Goober. <laughs> yeah, that's license for uh, Larry not to sue any of us with li- LAFC license plates right now. There's a lot of us out here on the road with LAFC license plate. And you have an LAFC license, license plate? plate? I'm getting one. My, my license plate just fell off, so this is... This is the there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And then what was the other half of the question? What favorite memory um, from who started? started? Man, no, but you know yeah. what? That story just brought back memories of like when this first started. 
and you would get so excited when you saw LAFC yeah, hats right. yeah, out yeah, in the yeah. wild. Yeah. It's kind of... And it was rare. So yeah. when I, you saw it... Hey, well, I still get it. There's a lot of people that rock the LAFC hat that don't even know that LAFC is a soccer team. That's even cooler than me. I don't know. For some reason, that's even cooler than me. <laughs> I'm just it's, saying, it's but, symbol, but yeah, in the like beginning, Batman. like when you saw an LAFC hat, you knew they were down for the shit. Okay, no, no, for real, for real, for real. You say that I've, I'll be driving around with my brother, and I still get excited. I'll be like, "Yo, that guy has an LA seizures," and my brother will look at me. He'll be like, "You do know, like, we're a real sports team <laughs> yeah, in LA." Yeah. It's more it's more it's and I'm like, "Yeah, it's still exciting." Though. It's, no, it's still exciting for me too. Yeah. I'll like wherever you know, I'll be like out on the trails. I run a lot, and so I was like running at Kenneth on, and I'll just see. We get it, Dweez. You run a lot. We <laughs> <laughs> get it. You're gonna run another marathon. <laughs> So the second half of the question is about once the club uh, already started, but actually maybe it's going to be funnier timeline-wise. Let's hear, Larry, what's your kind of favorite memory or memory that sticks out from before you guys ever uh, start playing? Yeah, these are good ones. This is behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, before, I mean, look, I obviously enjoyed the Will Ferrell introduction <laughs> at the train station. That was, that was great. That was fun. Um, I was thinking of my favorite memory after we were playing. Uh, which I'll share. I know you didn't ask me that question. And for me, it was that first game against the Galaxy at the Galaxy. Yeah. Oh. And I got there several hours before the game. And I'm coming, you know, walking on the field, and there's like a thousand supporters up in the stands. And you could hear it, like by the locker room, not in the locker room, but outside the locker room. You could hear them chanting. And you're, it's like two hours before the game. You're like, what's going on? And I walk out, and it's just a sea of black and gold. And just so loud, and that was that was incredible. Yeah. Right? I mean, you had to have no idea that that was possible, right? Like, even I had in your no idea. Dreams, right? I, I had no idea. Just hearing I about know. it again, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm I'm familiar enough with other MLS teams to know that other people have supporter groups, and I've seen good ones, and I've seen other teams, but I've never seen that kind of size and coordination. And same thing happened with our first home game, where. Like Zach and I used to go to the song and drum site. I don't know if you guys were ever there, but mm-hmm. in six. the parking lot, right? Yep. I remember when Simon came and mm-hmm. the first time he did the sha la la yep. and everything yeah. else. And I remember the first time we went, there were like, and Rich would bring players by once in a while. Jordan Harvey came by. And, you know, it started off with a pretty small group, and every week it would yeah. grow mm-hmm. as the stadium was being built. Yep. And Zach and I would go and, uh, and you know, hang out. And, yeah. you know, you just. Had no idea that would turn in on the first day to everyone being so passionate and kind of have their songs going already. I mean, uh, us, I didn't expect that. Us being at those sessions and then seeing it live, it was the same thing. Like, yeah. oh, this is like really a thing now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We released our first TSG t shirt at one of the Lock Six uh, drum sessions. Yeah. Um, I remember. Um, so Babyface, Babyface, uh, Joao Moutinho and Tristan Blackman came mm-hmm. came through the lot six to uh, to come meet us right after they were drafted. Man, this is we're all... still mad at you from Orlando, Joao. I'm kind of proud. Of, I'm kind of proud. I'm kind of proud. I'm kind of proud. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's oh man, it's what like, I want to hear this. Okay, so get. Galaxy Away was game three, right? Correct. Game three. Gotcha. As Zach, he knows. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. First two games we win. First one. Um, we eat out a victory. Second game, we destroy um, RSL. RSL. Yeah. At this point in time, I'm like, we might be the best team in the world. <laughs> that's, that's, all I, that's all I have in my mind, right? Larry, you said you arrived there several hours early. Come on, yeah. you're, you're, you're down the 405. You're there yeah. in Carson. What's your disposition like before the fans get there? Are you, what's the, are, are you just like, we are going to mop the floor with these? Are you, <laughs> how much are you drinking at this time? Like, what, what, what's, your, what's your whole atmosphere like, man, when you're there early in the stadium? I, are you gloating a little bit? I didn't realize at the time 
that we're the best MLS team in history, mm. as, as we proved last year. Yes. Um, although we didn't quite finish it. But, um, you know, I felt like we could be pretty decent. Mm. Um, but I didn't go into that gloating. It wasn't until we were up 3 nothing, <laughs> and, yeah, and the Olays started, which oh, I'll never, which I'll never forget. And the Olays started. And, uh, we're, we're forever traumatized from doing old ladies. And I would say, if you asked me, like you know, maybe at halftime, I would have said, "Yeah, we're, yeah, 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 you know, we're pretty, we're pretty slick." Um, yeah. But look, that was an incredible game, right? I, yeah. mean, I mean, I I knew immediately that that was going to go down in history, right? And it was it was going to be great for the rivalry. Obviously, it hurt a ton yeah, that yeah, we yeah. lost, um, but the way we lost and the way he came on, yeah, yeah. I knew like, okay, the rivalry just. Yeah. It was the best it thing. Begun. It was yeah. the best thing for the rival. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're truly sure. a selfless club. I think. I think we. we they, I was like, if we beat in three zero, the galaxy would just cease to exist at that point. Yeah. So. yeah. This is football <laughs> with ideas, man. We're doing it for the culture. I mean, if you had video on me when when Zlatan scored that forty five yarder, yeah. you would have seen a big, and especially when he scored the final one, you would have seen a big smile on my face because I couldn't believe it. Right? I was just sure. like, this is, this is wild. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, it hurt a lot. Mm. Um, and I remember the commissioner sent me a, a text saying, you know, this is great for the league. I'm sure this isn't what, wasn't great for you. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Did like, you send him the a, knife emoji? At the, at the you know, <laughs> I did it. But I, but I immediately knew what he was talking about, and I agreed, yeah, right? Because yeah. remember, I'm a sure. soccer fan first. I'm a U.S. men's national team fan first. And obviously I'm an LAFC fan, but I'm really all about the sport mm-hmm. and growing the game, and we're going to be in this for a long time. And I just watched one of the iconic moments in MLS history. Yeah. And to be part of that... To actually be part of that and in the middle of it is like, once again, it's a pinch me moment. Now, obviously, we were on the wrong side mm. of the outcome. But, you know, to, to just have iconic moments in a domestic league mm-hmm. in the U.S. and in Los Angeles is really the dream, right? Yeah, and so I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. But yeah. it, we'll never do L.A. again, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I feel you that. As, as, okay, this, as someone who um, was a – like you followed European soccer through and through before this – and seeing Carlos on the pitch, I mean, one of the signature, first signature curlers, left, left-footed curlers right, that I've ever seen from Carlos there happen at a time. And then I don't like, I don't like taking the whole, like, oh, European starlets coming over overseas, but seeing as Zlatan come on during, after halftime, literally coming, like for me, it was straight up coming out of the TV into my real, right. real freaking purview. Yeah. What was that like for you, seeing that the European game here in Carson, California, here yeah. in MLS, like what was that? This trajectory for the starting trajectory is all of a sudden cemented here yeah. in California. Look, a lot of it for me is about authenticity, right? So, yes, we wanted to have a great club and build the league and elevate the league. But um, to have Carlos come over at 28 years old in the prime of his career mm-hmm. at the level he's been playing at, yeah. with the national team level he was playing at, and, of course, we all saw that because he would eat up the U.S., um, yeah. And then to bring in guys like Diego Rossi, who at the time was how old when we got him? 20, 19 when he played his first 19. game. Yeah. So it's also how you get there, right? Like the fact that we're on the front foot. That's not an accident, you know, oh. whether it's our coach or Thorington or whatever. You know, we wanted to play attractive soccer. Mm. You know, think about Brazil when they would, you know, it wasn't good enough to win. They had to win it with panache. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the fact we were able to do that and the fact that we were able to bring younger players you know, it's great to see his Zlatan, and like I said, I thought that was an iconic moment. But to me, you know, we live in America, right? We don't want to be there after somebody's kind of on the way down in their career. We right. want to be there in the beginning as they're kind of building up. And that was important to us. Um, and so, you know, for me, knowing that we're one of the youngest teams on the field, knowing that we're one of the highest scoring teams on the field, obviously I'd rather give up fewer goals for sure. 
but you know that's kind of all part of it it's kind of how you how do you get to the mountaintop is is part of it and ultimately we want to win obviously the mls cup but the ccl we want to try to get into the fifa club world cup and play other teams and i think our team's good enough I mean, look at the leon game right yeah, yeah. i mean that to me was incredible that three nothing right. you know kind of comeback that would be my happiest memory of 2020 so far yeah <laughs> yeah that's the only one that's so sure. sad easily three Oh my God. I hate this year. <laughs> I love you, LAMC. Yeah. Sam, you should have actually came to Leon. Shut up, man. I didn't know that the freaking whole year was going to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I really believe we can yeah. compete at that level. Leon was one of the top teams, if not the yeah. top team in Mexico at the time. Um, we can compete. And uh, I don't know if you could always say that uh, in the MLS, but they've come such a long way in the last few years. Zach, what was your post-starting post LAFC, once they started playing, your favorite memory? I know you got one for me. On, on field or like another funny one? Anyone. I'll take funny if you got funny. Yeah, we can go funny. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Rich was there for this. He probably won't remember. So small, but I thought it was hilarious. So second, third home game. Uh-huh. I was I was with Rich doing something. I don't know. We're in like the uh, what's what's the the club across from the founders Figueroa Club. Mm-hmm. We're in the, we're in that one like in the little like uh, dining area. Rich is friends with someone there, and he's talking to me. He's like. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is one of our owners, Larry Burke's son. I'm yeah, like, what's yeah. up? Nice to meet you. And he goes, oh, you're Larry Burke's son? I'm like, yeah. And he starts going into this whole thing about, he's like, you know, your dad, really one of my heroes, great guy, has done so much for L.A. And on my head, I'm like, how does this guy know my dad? And he goes, and then after about five more minutes of explaining, he goes, yeah, but that, that Celtics-Lakers rivalry, that was big time. <laughs> and I go, and I'm like, what? And I'm like, you know my dad, yeah, yeah, there's that pause moment, right? And then you realize what's happening. And I go, oh no, God. Larry Burke. And he goes, Oh, that guy's probably cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> this guy thought you were Larry Bird's son? Oh, yeah. What the hell? That's Rich, who the... are your friends, man? You need a better judgment on character. Rich doesn't that. even know who his friends He has too many damn friends. He's a lot of beers. Hey, you're right. Big club, big club. Big if it, if it just club. sounded like we like reached out into the ether and talked to Rich in the, in the universe. Oh, he's not he's here. Always, he's always floating over the backyard. Yeah, yeah Rich is not here. You can just ask him questions. The spirit, just the spirit of Rich every... hovering over the backyard. He's here every week. That's funny. Um, Zach, wait, I, now I just want to hear your, your on-field one. On-field? So yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, there's Lyon and the Galaxy playoff win, so we won't even talk about two. But the one that I feel like nobody talks about is that San Jose, season one away. Woo! That was You're exciting. Right. Also, a, a Joao Moutinho master yeah. class. And the whole right? stadium was shaking. Oh, yeah, like, the supporters goodness. were just rocking. Incredible. And especially because, like, they had a seated where we were, like, they had a seat in this box that happened to be right behind the bench. Mm. So we were, like, right there for all of it. It was cool. <laughs> Zach, what, what kind of venom came out your mouth for for the bench of, of uh, San Jose there? Did you say some uh, some wild stuff from the from, from the stands there? Not that I can remember. Good, okay. But I don't think they would have been able to hear me. They were too far away. Gotcha. <laughs> Only my art team could hear us. He's a collected man. He's got to keep his mind free He's for all good. the statistics, noticing it was like exactly where Joao Matinho was, so we can get that right on trivia later. <laughs> and the other thing is, everyone talks about Joao, but we also scored to tie it like three minutes before that. Yeah. True. Yeah. Who scored that one? Deal. Zimmerman <laughs> assist. Yeah, all right. Basically, wow. you're gonna have to have Zach back for season pass. Oh my yeah. goodness! This uh, like, is, yeah, Zach is. Once we get it, because he has another pod where he gets into all the X's and O's and all yeah, the stats. FCFC is famous for never actually talking about what happens on the field. Yeah, yeah. But not just because all three of us have bad memories and we'd forget. But uh, hey, we, we were a lot more privileged before the pandemic. Come back, everyone. <laughs> listen, listen to us again. We privilege the culture. <laughs> But, no, I, I, I think that, Zach, you just have your own podcast where you're just like, Yo, hey, it's is, uh, crazy. This is Zach's podcast. I'm about to school everybody on some stats. So here we go. And you just jump into it. And we've, officially, and we've officially drafted Zach into FCFC. Uh, he's our newest uh, recruit. And, Bro, uh, if, we'll start your own podcast, please. We, 
It's if I could schoolwork the on, way you, you know? do stats, like I would be really successful. Right unfortunately, now. <laughs> unfortunately, I've learned it only applies to things that I actually like enjoy, so it doesn't uh, always carry over. It seems to take precedence over school, but that's a whole separate subject. <laughs> <laughs> you might, you might end up as a sports announcer, so it, might, might, it's, it might be on a different trajectory now. I'll tell you, two years ago, so Zach's birthday is tomorrow. <laughs> two years oh, ago. Oh, wow. Happy early. birthday. Two years ago today, he was in the capo stand for his birthday. Oh. Only made it for a half, by the way. Who's the, that is a, I was in the whole game. You're not in the whole game. Rich was there. Really? Whole game? First half, second half. Hell yeah. I don't remember it that way, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> video, video proof. I'll show you after this. But that's pretty which cool. Game, which game was it? New England Revolution. Hey. Wait, which cop? Which cop? Were you, you center or left or right? I was with Jose and Julio. Do you I don't know which left, one that is. Yeah, but oh, you, you, I know it's the I don't know which cop it is. The lit cap was then. Yeah. That's the north. That's the northeast. That, that was, was worth. That's a tank top. That was worth my entire investment right there. That right. That was tiring. Like you, like you, like not paying attention. Like you can't watch the game. Like you're, you're watching based on the cheering. Like if you hear claps, you look. But other than that, oh, it's it's work. So did you find yourself wanting to turn around and watch the game? Did you get what they call caught watching? Oh yeah, for sure. I don't know. I didn't know that was a thing till just now, but I knew it. I knew it too. Like I was like, I'm not supposed to do this, but I I gotta look like for a second. It's hard, man. Being a capo is not easy. Shout out to all our capos, man. They they love the game and they fantastic. They choose to, to work on the atmosphere instead of watching it. So. And what are you doing right now without a game to, to couple right now? They're probably annoying the hell out of their neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very clear a lot of fans, certainly some of my peers I bring to the game, etc., they, they enjoy watching what's going on in the stands as much, if not more, than what's going on in the field. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the show. I mean, for most people that really aren't in love with the game yet, that end up at, a, at whatever our stadium's going to be called, yeah. Um, yeah, the the more memorable part is watching the crowd more so yeah. than watching the yeah. match. Yeah, it's really a celebration of Los Angeles, right? The diversity, etc., of Los yeah, Angeles. Exactly. It's that's what soccer is all about, right? It's a community sport. It's to be shared. Yeah. And you're just you're a lot. You're just very proud of your city when you see that, mm-hmm. and the fact that we're pretty good on the field helps too. Yeah. We um, ain't never lost in the stands except for maybe Leon. That's right. I don't want to talk right. about that. <laughs> we're Leon sabotaged. away. We're sabotaged. Leon away. Oh my goodness, y'all! I mean, y'all. The, the cage. The cage, yeah. um, no, I mean, we were drumming with cups on our hands. They didn't give us water the entire <laughs> game. There was no, there, the, they there took was, us on the detour. There was no running water. I say us like I was there. <laughs> I'm so fake. <laughs> the, de- the detour was real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard oh, about man. it. I heard about it. It was a quarter mile to the stadium from the bar we were tailgating at. And we marched around. How long were we going, Dweez? It was ridiculous. I think we actually count. I think it was like either, it was over an hour. Yeah. I want to say it was like an hour and 15 minutes. I would have respected the gamesmanship if I didn't have to pee. I think that's. I think that's right. where I've landed on that. It's Were you like, guys in uh, in Seattle for the first game? Yes, sir. That Were mo- we? Were we in Fun. Seattle? Soon? <laughs> I suck your corner away, dude. Okay, damn. That was pretty incredible, right? The march yeah. to the match. Oh and, my goodness. And I, I, I'll be honest, I was so nervous. And um, when Diego scored, which obviously was what the eleventh minute, so mm-hmm. it was pretty early in the game, I'd like everything just like washed out. Like I was now comfortable and excited and it was a lot more fun after that yeah, but yeah. up until that yeah. i was nervous he specifically looks over and goes ah oh, now this is fun yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right that's, that's exactly right oh, i lost all motor function I, I i spiked like a 
$14 IPA I had in my hand on the floor. I couldn't control myself. It was ridiculous. But I, I yeah. understand. I'm with you. Yeah. It's a release. There's a lot of joy in that, in that oh, goal. Oh, man. I'm so sad. Well, let's take, a, let's take another break and get back with these guys for, for a little bit of tea time. Tea time. Tea time with Dweez, baby. Yeah. We are back in the backyard, long table, new night, sky overhead's a little ashy still, not as bad as it has been. We're just happy to be all in person, mm -hmm. doing something. Socially distanced hangouts are the wave. And also, the tea of the night, so everyone's aware, is a Japanese roasted green tea called Hoji Cha. Shout out to my new puppy Hoji, which we just brought to a dog camp and is gone for eight weeks. I'm sorry, what? Dog training. He's, he's training. Dog training. For, Come on, man. Go, you go don't follow Sachi on Instagram, bro? <laughs> Two months? <laughs> the hell? Yeah, so... You just gone? We got a dog. I'm letting the birds know across the across the way here. We got a dog, and it's the exact color of this tea when it's brewed. So we named it Hoji, which means, like, lightly roasted in Japanese. Wow. That's cool. It's like a golden doodle that we failed to train on our own. So I uh, <laughs> was asking my friend who was responsible for us getting the dog, and he's like, you just got to bring it to this... It's like a hunting dog training place in the middle of like rural Utah. <laughs> so we drove him up there, just dropped him off. Hopefully when we get him back, he's gonna, you know, have his wagon fixed. So he's gonna be yeah, hunting some wild. So shout out to Hoji. Duck hunting? What the, what's he can come back with as a, as a, as a hunter, as a, a fierce beast? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but as uh, Larry and Zach are newer listeners to the FCFC pod and obviously our guests tonight, Tea with Dweez sort of started the way Tim or Slim talked about. Uh, you know, I just I love tea. My favorite teas are from China, Japan, India, and Taiwan. Usually, is what we drink. Well, um, way to leave out the one Asian country where your two co-hosts are. I know I haven't gotten any Korean tea yet, but and honestly, I, Korean tea is just barley, bro. It's, <laughs> it's just, just barley. It's just barley. Bro. We not we not with the <laughs> they're tea. Not, they're not as big into the tea. We like tea world, we though. like barley tea and mixed coffee, so we're not really classy with yeah. the, the after meal drinks. We're not a classy people. Let me just yeah, say we that, just yeah. throw sauce on all. Our I shit. do my best to keep up with these guys when it comes to like actual alcoholic drinking, but to be honest with everyone, I just drink tea all day. That's like my thing. It keeps me keeps me going, keeps me riding, keeps me sane. It's all the tea, guys. And it keeps if, you running. If you're drinking your tea at home, if you're a tea, if you're a you tea like company, you sponsor like the pod. Shout out LAFC Film Club. Nice. So, speaking of LAFC Film Club. Oh, nice transition. Oh, okay. Nice transition. Where are, going? Where are we going? What's been so interesting during quarantine, as we haven't had games as many times as we would normally, um, we obviously aren't going to the stadium. We have had a ton of hilarious little spin-offs of LAFC culture in the ether and the internet. Zach, we alluded, alluded to, is the king of trivia. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's also, but there's also like the gaming club. Are you part of the gaming? I'm actually not. Okay, so you're I'm not, not a big gamer. You're a big mm. gamer, but you don't. I'm not a big gamer. That's why. I'm oh, not. you're not a big yeah. gamer. Okay. So trivia came to be. Shout out to Al Rate. Shout out to everyone who put that together. Who put it? Who else put it together? Rich. Al was the driver. Al was the driver. I played once. Did you guys ever play? Yeah. I played once, once early on and just got annihilated. Yeah, yeah like, I'm not good at They trivia. were so, they were like, you know, certain minutes things were scored, and I always just see this guy's oh, yeah. name at the top of the list at oh, the yeah. score shit, So Is it just Zach Burt? What, what's your, what's the handle? LAFC on? Zach B. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. The bane of my existence, LAFC <laughs> Zach B. So were you, <laughs> take the award again. Were you phenomenal from the beginning? So, yes. Game. <laughs> 
Okay, Dad. Uh, all right. Very, very intimidating. Very intimidating. Did you game... play too, Larry? Yeah, I was yeah. getting annihilated too. Yeah. <laughs> game one, I really thought I had the win, but then this LAFC rich guy came in and won. That's yeah. actually Debatable. a big scandal. Yeah, he definitely had the questions Debatable. before. Maybe just the first one. <laughs> oh, my God. But now, generally, you'll see some sort of winner. Well, I actually haven't played in a couple months now, but... Some somewhere between me, the scarf, and LAFC Central is generally where mm. you see your winner. What I love is I do it in uh, Zach's bedroom, and he takes pity on me and gives me some of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Larry's kicking his feet up, being like, hey, what's, what's going on? What's and going the problem on? is, it's no longer about just getting it right, it's about speed. He's yeah. just very fast. It's terrible. And I mean, what's it been like for you guys? Like, this has been such a big part of your lives, obviously, like, as it is for all of us, but we've talked to other supporters through our Instagram live stuff that we've done through episodes and our own experiences but what has it been like for you guys like during the quarantine like this has been such a strange year for so many reasons but like yeah how has it been to not have that thing um, every week that you get to go see it hurts I mean it hurt when we weren't playing it hurts when we go to the stadium and there are no fans Um, this has become such a big part of our lives and it's uh, something we look forward to so much. And so when you don't have it, and by the way, the other part, if I knew when it was going to be over, it might be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But you just don't know when we're going to have the stadium full again. And that's kind of just hard to digest. Yeah. The trivia was actually something that helped. I'd say from like the second month of quarantine, Aprilish, through until the MLS back tournament started. Those were like the most exciting 30 minutes of my week. Yeah. So like yeah. that definitely filled the LAFC void every Tuesday night. But yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Now luckily now we at least got something to watch on TV. Right. Early on, especially when there was just like no games in sight and no one was training, those first couple months, like you're right, like the, the trivia and those type of things definitely it gave us a sense of community. We weren't even recording at that time. We didn't even do digital recording for a while, right? Yeah, we just said, screw it, this year doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> But look, even now we play twice a week and Orlando was fun, etc. But, I mean, half the reason we do this and half the reason we love it is the, the vibe at the stadium. Mm-hmm. We haven't had that since March. Yeah. Um, and I don't know when we're going to have it again. So it's it's frankly just hard to deal with that. But, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, man. I think from the supporters' angle here, it's just this is my first time where I'm actually... I mean, I'm a sports fan my whole life. I thought pretty die hard, but a supporter, supporting life is different and... You, Zach, you talked about the trivia night really being helpful during quarantine, and I think uh, whether it's like kind of the charitable efforts that happened that Christian Torres organized with migrant workers up the coast, or um, some of the, like the more uh, even the meetings we have, man, it's it, the building is important, the stadium is very important, Christmas tree lane is extremely important, but yeah. there's some that we create. the here. connections. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. that's been cut off. Yeah, and so we're trying our best out here, and it has restored some of our I think sanity in a certain way but at the same time it's like um, it's hard it's hard so I, I understand that it's, it's cool to see that y'all are feeling that hurt with us I think we're all <laughs> yeah. we're all hurting together here you know well yeah it's like you know Larry in the beginning talked about the community part and like when he was you know supporting soccer early on and not having that community and now it's it's at least for me it obviously makes you appreciate it like <laughs> to yeah. a crazy degree it's definitely hard because you don't know when it's coming back but even, I think, as all of us were talking about our memories and the things we had gone to and the things we had seen, like, all of our faces, like, you know, lifted and, like, lit up, like, um, in a way that I don't know would be quite the same had, you know, this thing not been taken away, you know, this way. You, you never wish for something like this to happen, but yeah. I am curious to know, you know, what it's going to be like when we come out of it. 
and yeah to that i guess to that extent like what you know pandemic no pandemic um what do you guys hope for for like the future of lafc and like what what do you think you know we talked a little about the academy and like what what does it all what does it all look like like you know coming from five years ago and none of us knew the things were possible as that they are now and like what would you say about the future so you know and i thought we were gonna do it last year certainly winning the mls cup is an obvious goal uh, winning CCL, perhaps the first MLS team to win CCL, yeah. is a big goal. But for me, it's as much about just being part of the global ecosystem. So, you know, we're not going to be Barcelona or Real Madrid tomorrow, but we can absolutely develop players that can play for those clubs mm-hmm. someday. And even better, perhaps we can develop our own through our academy and play there someday. And so for me, it's about, you know, being part of that global ecosystem. You know, it's such a unique sport. You know, it's club and country. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you just don't see that elsewhere. And so I want to, you know, get the trophies and everything else. But I think, you know, there's all these other narratives on the field with different players at different points in their careers. And the fact that we've been able to do it with young players, I think, adds to that. The fact we've now signed, you know, three 16-year-olds adds to that. Mm-hmm. And it, it just makes it, for me, it makes it really interesting. Um, and so, if you know, if we fast forward and we continue to build our club, and we now have sprinkled people uh, throughout Europe. And by the way, I'm in my in my day job, I'm an investor. And so, the idea of taking my favorite sport in my favorite city, and then frankly, you know, sort of putting some pieces on the table, knowing that you know some won't work out. Yeah. Uh, we obviously saw that with Horta, mm-hmm. um, and that some you know might work out big. Um, just adds to the to the you know adrenaline. Yeah. And- Zach, it's your birthday tomorrow. You're going oh, to yeah. be 17 years old. Yep. Uh, if if you could ask for anything from your dad for your birthday in like Fantasyland to change something about the club or to have something or to, I don't know a slide from where you guys sit to onto the thing, like what would you what would you do differently if you if you could run the club for a day in as Fantasy a 17 Land? year old? Yeah, in any Fantasyland, I bring in a 19 year old Lionel Messi. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's a, that's a good one. And what no, about? But, uh, yeah, I thought we already did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. One thing to change? Yeah. If you if you ran the club for a day for your birthday, what would you do? As the boss, the head honcho. Sell Brian Rodriguez. I think that I would. Uh... Wow. Right, while he's thinking, I want to know from you guys what would you do differently? Yeah. One day. What can we do better? I don't know, man. You guys really did a good job. <laughs> oh, I got one. Okay. Make the stadium bigger. More bigger? seats. Mm. More seats. Mm. Yeah. More seats where? I think you could add a f- good amount of rows to every section almost. So make it even. The board. Yeah. Yeah. After our, our little North End hearts are here, Zach. <sighs> Gotta love it. Spice, what would you do? You run the you run the club for a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know you can you can change something drastic if you want in that day. I'm not just trying to make it 24 hours for the sake of 24 hours, but oh man, it's, this is a cheap one. I mean, it's personnel-wise. I just I think I think supporters say this quite often. I think we need somebody uh, mean in the mid midfield. You know, just and that's uh, look at look at a twice <laughs> when he came back. Yeah, it's, Sifu's coming. Sifu might be that right. He's he's a wild he's a wild child, a wild man himself. But um, yeah, I think that's that's the one. Um, I don't like my teams to get bullied by anybody, and we haven't been for the most part, but more recently that's kind of how it's been. 
Louise, how about you? Hmm, one thing, one day. So I wrote this article a long time ago, Larry. I don't know if you're going to remember this. It was called Dear LAFC, I Love You, Don't Fuck It Up. And it was uh, two months after it was announced. Uh, probably four months after it was announced. I guess it was April 2015. And I wrote a list of ten things that LAFC needed to do if it was going to uh, be like the club that it could be, right? And I think, because at the time, we got like a letter from Tom in the mail or something, and like that November when you signed up for season tickets, and it was like, come be a part of this, tell us what you want. And I was like, tell you what you want, tell us what we want, really? Okay, I'm going to like do it. So it was published by Howler, which at the time was like a really great soccer magazine, I think has since um, ceased to exist, at least in physical form. And uh, long story short, they did all the 10 things that I put on <laughs> It was, Jesus! Uh, it, I think I mean I had some like Homer. I had some really ridiculous things, but Slum said the same thing. Like you pretty much done everything, right? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. just because Larry's sitting here. Like Larry and I have had conversations before. So I'm, the bad, I'm of, the bad guy. If the I could think of here. something that like really bugged me, I think I could say it. Right. But it was like mine was like downtown stadium, like uh, supporters first type vibe. There was uh, something about the music, which you know we've had like all the different DJs and stuff. I'll I'll give them that. Uh, you know, like, it was a ton of things that the colors were one of them, the crests were one of them, like, things that sort of ended up working out. And, you know, Rich and I talk about this often. Um, like, one of the coolest things about LAFC is that even though you're the owner or you're one of the owners and, you know, and you guys have the, con- the control or the power to change something, I feel like I own it. You're the owner. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I've and I've the always community, felt the that community way. owns it. Yeah. But I've yeah. always felt that way, like from the beginning, because because the things I said were like listened to, right? And maybe those things were just great ideas, giving right. myself a pat on the back. But also, like across the board, it just always seemed like we did have power. Like you guys, when you went to the safe standing thing, you did have your opinions heard. Mm-hmm. You did have things changed. Like I remember when the Heineken bar um, was made, and there was like some complaints about there being like too many Heineken logos. But at the end of the day, it was like basically the same thing that supporters asked for, right? Yeah. Like bar pretty close to the seats, like trying to get beers as quick as possible. You can only get beers so fast, mm-hmm. right? Um, like little things like that. But no, it's, it's, I mean, I can walk to the stadium from my house. Like I grew up, you know, absolutely loving this city and loving this game, these two things happening at once. I think all of us at the table, everyone, even you know, opposing teams, all wish you know supporters could be back in the stands, 32, 52 could be back in the stands, casual fans could be back at the stadium, we could all be enjoying it in that way. I guess that's something I would change if I had, if I could change it for a day right now. But um, no, all those things were like pretty much answered, and I think like from here, it's like, well, where is it, where is it going to go next, and like how do we take it to that to the next place and continue? A community never ends, right? A community is a never-ending thing it's there's no finish line there's not even an mls cup finish line there's not even like a you know it's a win or lose titles no titles strong players in the midfield no strong players in the midfield um the more that i think lafc can become a part of the civic fabric of los angeles the force for good part i think is better but that is going it seems to be happening slowly and i guess maybe the social justice side yeah you know maybe maybe the more lafc takes more ownership of the social justice issues um, the way that they sort of have so far, like, and I don't know the answers to those questions. I don't think any of us do. But if if LAFC can be a force to continue those conversations, I guess that would that's what I would do if I was yeah. in command for a day. I would just like continue to push those push those issues to the forefront because I think they're the most important. Yeah, and to I think to add on to what Dudes was saying, the, um, it's been incredibly inspiring during this time to see where 
the club that I love stands on a lot of issues. Um, a lot of that, I think, has been to the credit of the people that you've empowered in leadership within the club itself. Um, shout out Rich and Marcus all the time, or the two in my head right now. But at the same time, like you know, having not only the petition for Juneteenth to become an official holiday, not only having um, the the voting registration and the vote the uh, the bank become a voting place. Like these are things that I didn't think that were possible for my sports team to do. And this is me from a lifelong fan, you know. And so I think going along along the lines of that, like this club has always meant more than what's on the pitch, and so continuing to enact that in every single atmosphere, every single segment of life like that's not only I think um, what I like to see but I think that's what this club's DNA is about and what's expected of us you know and I think that makes us in the global conversation we're talking about the Barcelona's the Madrid's in the world like, mm. this is what they mean to their community and this is exactly right. what it lives in um, yeah that's, that's, that's where I'm at with that I think um, aside from that I'd like to see the return of $4 Bohemius before uh, the ninety four ninety. And I like to see um, maybe hot dogs below ten dollars. Like, let me just say that. Okay, I think it's a little hard because we're we're eating up. We're you know we're drinking a, a decent amount, and we'd like to you know we like to carb up during the game, but it's hard for us, man. So it's uh, yeah. But let's bring let's bring some affordable hot dogs, maybe some tacos in there. Dole Whip, thank you for the Dole Whip. We love you, Larry. We love the Dole Whip. That was my personal uh, efforts right there. Let's go. And I just think you know, um, with me, it's. I think what you guys have done a great job with is making it so that the community could fall in love with everything that the club is. And when you fall in love with something that deeply, like you you appreciate all the perfections as well as the imperfections. And that's kind of why I don't I don't have anything to change. Like we we built something that's great and amazing and we we love the community and we all know that there's always space to be better. So we continue to, to, to appreciate what we've built and strive to do better than we were last year or last match or whatever it is. And, yeah, I mean, I love this club so much I, don't, I wouldn't want to change anything about it. Right yeah, I guess, I guess the craziest thing is that because it <coughs> satisfied so many parts of ourselves, like the expectations that have grown are things I never would have expected. Mm. Like, I, like you said, I would have never expected my sports organization affinity to like also be a community where social justice was a topic or you know these civic issues were a topic or or where we neglect all of our other friends because this is consuming our lives or even like <laughs> or even like the even like the women's soccer thing how like NWSL to LA became part you know shout out to Lindsay and Mark like, yeah, man. Who, which kind of was birthed through the avenues created by supporter culture mm-hmm. in LA and now that that's gonna become a real thing and like to the extent that like you know it's going to improve any any more professional soccer in LA is good, right? Like in growing the, the game here stateside, man, and always. Um, and so those who, the people who really want you know LFC to be a bigger part of that, it's just because they've already done so many things, and so it's like the expectations just grow, and we're in a really fortunate position because of that. I think. Yeah. No, look, the club was look. Los Angeles is obviously a very special place, right? It's such a melting pot, and I think from the very beginning we talked about being a force for good. We talked about. You know, uniting the city. Uh, we've been about inclusivity, and but you know, we're stewards for the community. And so, at the end of the day, you mentioned you guys feel like you own it. You really do. Um, and uh, you know, these things because they're important to you, it'll, they allow allows us to um, you know do good things. So it's been a 
such a symbiotic relationship with our supporters and it's going to keep growing and you know I just keep reminding myself and sometimes we remind each other that we still aren't terribly well known in Los Angeles mm-hmm. you know when we talk about where can we go from here um, obviously the stadium's full and we have some really really passionate fans including everybody here but the reality is you know we're still pretty unknown uh, throughout a very large city so mm-hmm. there's a long way to go and I think all the off the field community activities and community efforts and a lot of the charitable things the supporters do etc is a huge part of it and um, obviously things we can do a little bit why we can't go into the stadium but um, you know it's a big part of it it's part of supporter culture and um, I think it makes this sport different than most of the others um, it's kind of hard to compare them but you know yeah. we really we really do feel like it's being held up by the community and I can tell you the ownership group is you know just very very aligned with that yeah. um, so it's been great. I think what I kind of wanted to ask, like, was like to, I mean, to set the table again. It really is like I grew up, you know, mostly New York sports fan, right? So like my the ownership groups have always been these dominant tyrants, right? The Steinbrenners, the Dolans, and all that. F you, Jim Dolan. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's something <laughs> out there. I don't know if there's liars running or not. What was that? Oh, yeah, they're, they're probably running the same circle. But it's 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 I probably. No, I would not have expected to be sitting across the table from someone from from someone in ownership that for a team I love the most, right? And so I I really, I really want to hear kind of you talk to the fans right now in the midst of we want up we beat our beloved Portland Timbers, our lovely Portland Timbers that we that we respect and admire so F much. Portland. Yes, but we just beat them. But at the same time, this is probably the 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 roughest patch we've had on the pitch. Since we since our founding as a club, right, and so there's been you know some negativity that's obviously been piled on by what's going on in the world right now. But at the same time, like, what would you tell the supporters right now in the midst of this, um, as as kind of like a, a rallying cry, or what, what what's kind of a check for you to, to tell the supporters of LAFC right now in this time? Look, this is something I talked to Bob about, talked with Bob about very recently, which is this adversity will ultimately pay off down the road, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about last year. I mean, we just had such a dominant year. What was it, 48-goal differential, mm-hmm. a new record? And we were awesome. And we didn't win it. Um, and so, you know, having Carlos out, especially having Edward out, going through these losses, going through this, these difficult times, you know, kind of getting back to basics with set pieces, et cetera. And we don't know yet. which is what makes the sport exciting, right? Yeah. But I truly believe it's going to help us down the road, perhaps help us come playoff time. So... Look, Edward was back, what, 10 minutes on Sunday night? Yeah, and by the way, shout out to Portland. I mean, they, they've had such trouble with the wildfires. Oh, and yeah, right now. They sure. weren't able to practice for a few days. Mm-hmm. They had to travel to us. So it was a great win, but, um, you know, they're going through some pretty tough times too. But, you know, seeing Edward on the field for 10 minutes, and he's just so such joyous. a special player, and you could see it immediately. Um, this is going to help us, and we've got a lot of younger players' minutes And if you think about the compressed schedule and you think about having to rotate players and keep the legs fresh for playoffs, Mm -hmm. and we saw that last year, right? We had this incredible win against the Galaxy, and then we didn't do so well against Seattle. We need to have more players rotate in and out, and we're getting them some really valuable minutes. So it's hard while you're going through it, and obviously I don't know where it's going to come out, but I think the club is the same club that, you know, won beat Leon 3-0. Um, we just have some injury issues and some other folks that are kind of newer to it. You see Sifu grow mm. every game. Sifu, let's go, example. baby. You see Janela growing, um, you know, one after another. It's great to have BWP. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, he's yeah. newer, Great so you know we're trying to get um, Tristan back from injury and have him play, you know, center back day in and day out. So I think there's a lot to be excited about, and we'll see what happens come playoff time. Heck yeah! The last time I saw Larry, it was after uh, the, the game I recorded at the Shotgun Pod at mm-hmm. you know, the experience of reporting a game with no fans, and he, you know we talked about the same thing, like you know. This yeah. is going to be good for the playoffs, and it's like it's hard for me not to see the parallels in just real life and regular life, pandemic times or not. Like the rough things you go through make you who you are. Yeah, true or false? Like everyone's life. Like yeah. every single time a really difficult thing happens in your life, it's an opportunity for growth, and it's hard not to see that like opportunity with this team who has not faced this kind of these sort of challenges before. So yeah. let's find out. So I'm going to let Zach Berg have the last word. You say whatever you want, Zach. Last thing? Yeah, about anything you want. Even just what's on your mind about to be your birthday. It can be anything. Boy, it better not be about the Travis Scott. Or, or, you're, or you could give your leader. message. Your message is the community. Oh, that's fans. good, yeah. too. Oh, we're in the same boat as you. Vamos LAFC, let's win. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Plain and simple, baby. That's really good. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the FCFC Pod. We appreciate you joining us, and have a great week. I'm going to be polite today. Great job, son. <laughs> what the hell was that? I'm going to be polite this week. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah, that was, was lot, amazing. There was a lot more profanity on the last F-C-F-C. episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. F-C-F-C. 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 F-C-F-C.